First Peter chapter five is where we're going to go today. If you got your notes, um, go to First Peter chapter five. We'll have the scripture on the screen for you. We'll read it and then we'll dive into the message. Let's go. First Peter chapter five, verse five. It says this. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. Underline that if you, if you got that. Underline that. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your, what is that? Everybody help me out. All of your what? Come on, say it out loud. All of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Come on, how many glad we got a God who cares about you? Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, come on, now this is great news, get ready. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever and everybody says amen. 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 Father, we pray right now, God, that today, Lord, as we dive into this topic of worry and anxiety, God, that every person that's walked into this room that has been bombarded, has been overwhelmed with anxiety, I pray, God, that you would lift it, lift it. God, I pray that you would speak to your people today. God, give us ears to hear what you have to say. God, we love you. And God, we pray that the Welsh ground, ground Greyhounds would win the state championship this weekend in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give it up for the Greyhounds. Way to go, guys. We're proud of our JHS Bulldogs, by the way, too. They're awesome. All right. All right, Andrew. Thank you, man. Come on, give it up for my Asian. Every Mexican needs an Asian, all right? We all need one. Look at the person next to you say, I'm glad you made it to church. Now look at that second option that you didn't want to say that to and tell them, it looks like you need church. Tell them, looks like you need some church. <laughs> you, you need some church. How many of you in here would be honest enough to say that you worry? Raise your hand if you worry. How many of you did not raise your hand because you're worried what people think about you? <laughs> yep, I know you. You know, you lie in church. God will kill you. Just want to let you know. <laughs> you're like, oh, strike me down. All right. It's funny that uh, in the midst of a nation that is rich, we are one of the richest nations in all of the world that our culture is overwhelmed with worry, depression, anxiety. We are a nation that over 19 million people will be chronically diagnosed as, as having worry and needing uh, medication to get through life, to somehow survive, not even thriving, but just surviving. There's many people who worry to the point that they literally are debilitated. They cannot move. They cannot go anywhere. They stay within their house. They're locked up. Some worry about 
You know, we have a lot of things that we worry about. Um, finances. Come on, how many, let's say, worries revolved around, how many would say worry revolves around finances? Um, can I, can, will I have enough money? Can I pay for this? Can we, can we make it? Um, uh, relationships. A lot of worry is, is, is built around relationships. Um, strife. How many know strife strangles? And it, and it, and it brings worry. Future. Uncertainty. What is going on on the other side that we don't know of? A lot of worry happens. How many know you open up social media, you look at the news, worry, waves of worry just hit. We got uh, earthquakes and we got floods and we got uh, shootings and we got all these things that are going on around us. And of course, waves and waves of worry can hit us from all different sorts of ways. I, I want to look today at First Peter because I, I've never really preached from this um, from this verse from this angle um, before I've, I've we've talked about what are the things that we worry about um, that Jesus commands us not to worry Paul in, in Philippians 4 tells us to be anxious for nothing and give thanks in everything and, and rejoice always and we see these passages of scripture where Jesus commands us not to worry Paul tells us not to worry um, and this is Peter though Peter is older in age he has walked with Jesus um, he has seen Jesus. He's been rebuked by Jesus. I mean, this man w walked on water with Jesus. This man has, has gone through a lot. And here he is at kind of nearing the end of his life, and he pens a letter. And he's, he's writing to the church. And, and if there's anything where if you, how many know if you can sit down, how many like those times where you can sit down with your grandparents or your great-grandparents and just glean some wisdom from, from what they've been through? This is kind of like one of those times where we can sit down and hear from Peter and he goes, hey, listen, this is, here's some wisdom. If you want to live the Christian life, here is some wisdom. And so he talks about anxiety, but he also talks about the enemy. And, uh, I, and I don't know if you have noticed this, that when you give your life to the Lord, you immediately have crosshairs now on your back from the enemy. The enemy does not like you. And I want to show you this and in, in, uh, I want to go to verse 7. Because this is the verse that we all know. If there's any verse that you know in 1 Peter, it's probably this one. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. We know that verse. What we don't realize is that in the middle of that verse, and in the middle of, the, of, of that whole chapter, uh, Peter is going to also bring not only talking about anxiety, but he's going to talk about the source of anxiety and where it can also come from. And he says this, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a what? Everybody say it with me. Like a what? Like a roaring lion. Now watch this. He's seeking someone to devour. Seeking someone to devour. Now for those that are new to our church, um, we are in what I would say is a real move of God here at our Savior's Church. In the last three years, our church has... Uh, tripled in size. We've seen God just do phenomenal things. This past week, I was having lunch with a, with a guy that does not come to our church. And, and it's funny because he, he, he said, man, I know people that go to your church. And he said, I never thought he'd ever be in church. I said, yeah, me neither. And so, um, and he, he started listing different people that come here. Some of them are in this room. And so, um, he was saying, man, did you, do you know their backstory? Do you know where they come from? I said, yeah, it was, it's definitely Jesus. 
And we're in the midst of a move of God. God is just doing some phenomenal things. He's crossing cultural barriers. He's crossing, crossing racial barriers. He's crossing religious barriers. Come on, how many know there are no barriers with God? And so, uh, and so it's just incredible to see, um, kind of have a, a front row seat to what God is doing in our city and, and through our church. Um, but here's what I know is that we have an enemy and he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it at all. And so he's going to do everything that he can at like prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And here's what I know. A move of God can never be stopped from the outside. When God is doing something in you, the enemy can never stop you from the, from the outside. But listen to me very closely, and you might want to write this down. The enemy can win. Uh, the enemy cannot win unless he gets in. The enemy cannot win unless he gets in. So the enemy is not going to stop until he can find a way to get in to infiltrate whatever he is trying to destroy. The Bible says that the enemy seeks, uh, is roaring. He's, he's roaring. He's, he's come on, roar, he's roaring. Any, I, I've been to South Africa. I've been on a lion farm. You hear a roar, a roar of a lion, you want to wet yourself. And, and I mean, this ain't like no, no, those pansy ones you see at the Acadiana Zoo or something, okay? I'm talking about a real lion, a real one that's right there by you. When that thing roars, it, it, it just stops you in your tracks. And the Bible says that the enemy is like this. He is walking around roaring at people. And I think oftentimes that war, roar brings fear, right? Fear. And so we have an enemy that's trying to get on the inside. He can't, he can't just attack us from the outside because how many know we got angels around us, God's protecting us, we got, we, got, we got some protection on the outside. But how many know he can't get on the inside though? You know how he destroys a marriage, it's not from the outside, he destroys it from the inside. He gets on the inside of a heart to think there's something better on the outside. How, how does he destroy a family? He gets on the inside. How does he destroy a church? He gets on the inside and brings division. Come on, y'all with me here? He gets on the inside. Think about this. Celebrities spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, guarding and protecting their homes. And then they go into those homes and get online to find out what people think about them. And it destroys them because it gets on the inside. They were protecting all the outside, not realizing that the greatest enemy was now getting on the inside. Isn't that how it is with us? On the outside, we do everything we can to protect ourselves, but then we don't realize that the, the post that I just read or this that I just encountered, now it's getting on the inside of me. And so today, I want us to look at anxiety from a different angle, worry from a different angle, not just what we're worrying about, because we worry about money, we worry about relationships, we worry about future. I want to talk about why we do, and what is the source, what causes this? When the enemy attacks, he comes and he brings Anxiety. Notice that anxiety, casting all your cares, uh, casting all your anxiety on him. Notice that the next line follows up with how the enemy works. I believe the greatest way that the enemy works is he brings anxiety. And you look at it all across our nation, and you can tell right now, people are worried. They're anxious, constantly anxious. And so I want to talk about the three attacks that the enemy uses to bring anxiety in our life. Number one, attack number one, insecurity insecurity. Now let's lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. So Boudreaux was, um, was walking in a pet farm. Uh, I mean a pet store. He, he wanted a pet farm, a pet store. He wanted a little dog. Okay. So he walked into this pet store and there was a parrot. The parrot said, Hey, you 
Looked around, said, me? Said, hey, you. Walked over to him, says, what? He says, you're the ugliest person I've ever seen. He was, what? He, he went and got the store manager, said, your parrot just insulted me. Just called me the ugliest person he had ever seen. Manager said, what? Walks over to the parrot, slaps the parrot around, said, don't you ever do that again. Well, Boudreaux left. He was, he was so frustrated. He left. Well, two weeks later, he still wanted a dog. It was the only pet store in town. So he goes back into the pet store. He's walking. And of course, here's the parrot. Parrot looks at him and says, hey, you. He looks. He says, what? Parrot says, you know what? <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's hilarious. You know what? Hey, isn't, isn't that, though, the attack of the enemy is that he brings insecurity, he brings lies your way, and then when you want to go and do something, the enemy goes, you know what? You know what? You, you can't say that. You can't do that. You know what? Because oftentimes what the enemy does is he uses our history to inform our insecurity. So where you have failed in your history, he has used that to inform your insecurities, to enhance your insecurities. All of us have heard this, which, by the way, if I'm being very, very transparent, there are oftentimes while I am preaching, while I am preaching the word of God to you, I hear you can't do this. Why are you doing this? You can't lead that. I hear it all the time. I don't know about you, but it's like you wake up and it just starts. It is like waves of insecurity. And normally it's always enhanced when you are trying to live for God. You want to take a step. You know, man, I, need, I really need to go to the next step. I really need to get involved. Man, what's going to happen when they really get to know you? They don't want to get to know you. If they know you. They won't love you. Are you you're trying to get, you're, you're just, you know, getting into your word. Man, I need to spend time in the word today. And, 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 and something you did that week, something you failed in, here comes the enemy, and he, he says, see, God, God doesn't really love you. And, and it's amazing how the enemy personalizes it, and he wants you to internalize it, because it doesn't go from, uh, you can't do this, it begins, it, it goes like this, I can't do this. You start speaking the things that the enemy is coming and implanting into your heart and into your mind, and what you think ultimately determines what you do or don't do. Most people's greatest battle is in between their ears. It's the battle that we face. We believe a lie about a situation, and we believe that lie about ourselves or about somebody else, and we battle with insecurity. And worry overwhelms us when we are insecure because we're always worrying about what people think. Right? That's why we spend so much time in the mirror looking at ourselves, making sure we look good, making sure we're right because we, we value what other people think about us. On social media, you see somebody say something, she's like, oh, no, she did not say that about me. I got to defend myself. And you got to go off and you got to defend yourself because you are scared what people really think about you. What ends up happening is we worry because we give too much weight to what other people say. Come on, I am preaching here, all right? Anybody deal with the worry of what people think? We give too much weight to the wrong voice. And instead of giving it to the right voice, we battle with insecurity. And what I have learned in, in my own battle with insecurity, believe it or not, I've battled a lot with insecurity of will people like me? Will, will people like this message? Will people 
um, follow where we're going? Will people want to join the church? Will people not? Will people, I mean, I've, listen, as a pastor, I've faced enough rejection for all of us. Um, we, we've all, and all of us in here have probably had the pains of rejection with people that you've loved the most. And yet in the midst of that, when you face those pains of relational rejection, the enemy comes in and says, see, I told you so, right? Or you go and you open up your heart to somebody and then they, they, they do something that, that betrays your trust. And then all of a sudden the enemy goes, see, you never want to do that again. Don't ever open up your heart again. Don't ever tell anybody about your problems again. Nobody needs to hear about that again because they're only going to hurt you again, right? It's these insecurities and these lies that we're believing constantly. But let me tell you what the uh, solution is to that, because I don't want to just give you um, problems. I want to give you some, some antidotes. So the antidote to insecurity is honesty, is honesty. Watch what uh, David says in Psalms uh, 129. He says, search me, O God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my what? What does it say? Anxious thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. Now watch this. Now point out anything to me that offends you. Got anything that I'm anxious about, which, hey, by the way, I mean, if Jesus says don't worry, and it is a command, how many know worry is a sin? Worry offends God. You know why worry offends God? Because you're trying to play God. We'll get into that in part two. Okay, I don't want to get, I don't get too far. All right, so know my anxious thoughts. Hey, which, by the way, how many know God knows your anxious thoughts, right? But, but the next step is, hey, God, can you point it out to me? I know you know, but I don't know what you know. So can you let me know what you know about me? Right? Because the person that is usually the most deceived is yourself. Because you think what you're telling yourself is truth. You think it's the truth. And so you got to go to God and go, God, is this true? Point out to me anything that's not true. And lead me to the way, the path, of everlasting life. So we got to get honest. we got to get open about what's going on in our lives. The way that you deal and uproot insecurity in your life is you expose it. You embarrass it. You bring it out in the open. Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I don't think I can do this. And it's amazing when you get something out into the light, it loses its power. The reason why it's so powerful over you is because it's in the dark. So it's a lie you're believing, but you're the only one that knows about it, and you're the only one that's believing it. Y'all with me? Everybody with me so far? Okay. All right, so number two, the second attack is independence. Independence is my way. I want to do it my way. Notice this. At the center of anxiety, the center of the word anxiety. Let's put that word. The center of it is what? I. 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 Do you notice that most of your worries is I? I can't do this. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. I don't know. God, I don't. I, I, I can't. I won't. Everything is me-centered. Dependent, or in, independence is me. Do you notice the, another word that also has I at the center is pride and sin these are words that are centered with I. I don't think that's just coincidence. I think it's a reminder to us that that is probably one of the greatest problems is I. So what I did is I decided to put together what I call an independent, uh, independence assessment. This is a, a, a couple questions that you can ask yourself. And let's do what David said. God, search me. 
Search me, know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me. Okay, so here we go, all right? So you're going to answer these with pretty much a yes or a no answer. You can write your answer right there uh, if you want to, or you can just watch whatever, however that works for you. But it says this, is it hard to admit when you need help? You don't have to answer out loud. I mean, you can, I guess, if you want to. Your wife might answer for you. Yes, yes, yes. Is it hard to apologize when you know that you're wrong? Do you get upset when things don't go your way or as you planned? It's, a, it's a real quiet. I know. I know. All right, let's go. There. Do you get upset when someone corrects you? These are, all, these are all sources of independence and pride. I can do it my way, what I want, when I want. Do you have a hard time being honest with yourself and with others? So do you have a hard time telling people the truth because you're more consumed about what they think about you than actually telling them the truth that could actually really help them? Or maybe you don't even have an accurate assessment of your own self. You think you're actually doing better when you're actually not. That's all pride, by the way. Do you like to be... I don't like to talk about this one. Do you, can't even say it. Do you like to be in, control. yeah, y'all just say it. Okay, control. I was going to make you say it, but then that would be control. Um, <laughs> this is an independence assessment. Now watch this. When you are operating in pride, everyone around you sees it long before you do. Because pride only deceives its possessor. Now think about this, okay? Let me show you. Think about people that you know that have had an addiction, whatever that may be, or has had a real problem with, with something that, that it's, been, it's been a reoccurring problem for a while. Isn't it true that oftentimes everybody in the family and the friends know about it and the person that actually has it won't admit it? And they'll say things like, it's not that bad. Right? Pride only deceives its possessor. Usually, everybody around them spots it before they do. And if you would be wise, you'd surround yourself with a lot of people who can spot it and be honest enough to tell you so that way it doesn't have to ruin you before you decide that, oh, I really do have a problem. And most people have to go away somewhere and get extreme help because they weren't willing to get the help when it was small, so now it's huge. Y'all with me? And so we're, worry consumes us because we're full of pride. We don't want to admit that we need help. And so we take on stuff that we should never be taking on. And our life is filled with anxiety and worry because we're living a life that oftentimes is different than what people think. So your life will be filled with worry. I'm going to tell you right now, your life will always be filled with worry. If the way that you're here at church is different than the way you're at, at work or wherever else, your life will always be filled with worry. Because it will always be, what will happen when people really know who I really am? That's why we say just come in and just, just be you. Like jacked up, broke up, just, just be you. We'll take you as you are. I would much rather you be that than you come in and act like you're something that you're not. And then, and then we go out and find out that that's not really actually who you are. Because, by the way, we're all broken and need Jesus in here. Come on, somebody. So we all come in here. So, you know, somebody, hey, how, how, how are you doing? Don't just be like, good. It's all good. You know, you need to look at him and go, do you really want to know? 
I mean, I'll tell you. You really want to know? And then really tell them. And then you go find out if they really will love you. And they'd be like, no, I really didn't want to know that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. All right. So let, let me put it this way. When anxiety is the fruit, pride is usually the root. So today I want to deal with root issues. I don't want to deal with just that you're anxious. I want to deal with why you're anxious. And you're anxious because you're in control. You like to be in control. You like to do everything your way. You like to m- make your money and have your money and do it your and, and And God maybe is teaching you how to trust him. And maybe God is putting things in your life that you can't control. And you're having a really, really hard time with it because you like control. And when things don't go the way that you have planned and when things... You know, when, when, when you're failing in areas that you think you should be strong in, and you like everybody thinking that you're strong, but you're not as strong as you actually are, but you want everybody to think that you are, you're filled with worry. Because the worry is what's going to happen when people find out the real me. Anybody been there? So pride is huge in this. So what's the antidote? The antidote is humility. The only sin that God extremely resists, we see this in scripture, is it says God resists what? The proud. Proud people God resists. And listen, I'm not preaching anything to you that I have not personally dealt with and are still dealing with. I was the most proud person. Proud person. God brought me to Jennings to be under Pastor Bubba, who's probably one of the most humble men I know, to teach me humility. He put me in situations that were beyond my control. He put me under a leader who was way different than me, way different than me. Me and Pastor Bubba are extreme opposites because he was breaking my pride, breaking it. And God will oftentimes put you in situations to humble you. But can I tell you, that's not his first option. Ready? Here's the first option. Watch this next verse. Humble Humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Uh, uh, It would say in the other verses, clothe yourselves with humility. Humble yourselves. Here's what I know. If you don't humble yourselves, God will humble you. Anybody been on that end? How many want to do the humbling of myself first? Okay, I've learned that's a lot easier, by the way. But I know God loves me enough that he will humble me if I won't humble myself. And so humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Notice what he does to people who live humbly. He exalts them. He exalts them. He exalts them. If I can be very honest with you, we're almost 18 years as a church. When I was here, uh, I came when I was 18 years old. The first 15 years of the church, I thought I could run the church better than Pastor Bubba. I'll be honest. I thought I could. I thought a lot of the things that he was doing was not the right way, all this different thing. I I thought I could do it better. And for 15 years, God never put me in his position to actually lead because he was humbling me before I could ever be in that position. And then I get in the position that he actually did. I was like, you can have it back. (laughs) You did a great job, man of God. You were awesome, all right? Right? I mean, I'm just being very, very honest with you. Pastor Bo would tell you the exact same thing. He is, we have had very many, many, Many humbling conversations. I've had many humbling conversations with my wife. God puts these people in your life to humble you if you won't humble yourself. Thank God for them. Watch this. Now watch this. So that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he 
cares for you. Now watch this. Most of the time we will take these scriptures, casting all your anxieties in because he cares for you. And we will take that and, and, and we'll say, man, we're just casting our cares on you, God. We're just going to cast our cares all on God. We're going to cast them on you and not realize that the only way that you can cast your cares on God is if you do verse six. Verse 7 is not a command. Verse 7 is a result of verse 6. Verse 6 is, if you humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him. When you humble yourselves before God, your anxiety leaves. Humility increases, worry decreases. When I, when I go, God, you can do this way better than I can, then you, can you, it's amazing how every worry just begins to sink. So humility is the key. It's not a command, it's a result. Number three, last attack, and then we are wrapping it all up. Number three is isolation. Isolation. If you don't deal with insecurity and you don't deal with independence, you will have to then deal with isolation because you will be by yourself. Because nobody wants to be around an insecure, proud person. No, no wife wants to stay in a marriage with an insecure, proud husband. No kids want to be in a, mar- uh, in a family with parents that are insecure or proud. No, no employee wants to be under a boss that is insecure and proud. It divides, it destroys. It seeps in on the inside and destroys it from the inside. Watch what Proverbs 19 says. Proverbs 18, sorry, says, whoever isolates himself, notice that is it a choice on the person's side? He isolated himself. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires and he breaks out against all sound judgment. Notice what he's doing. He's isolating himself because he's seeking what? He's seeking the I, right? The independence. I want to do what I want to do, how I want to do it. And and, and in his pursuit of seeking his own desires, he isolates himself. And I can't tell you how many people that I know of that are living isolated lives because they are consumed with themselves. Isn't it interesting that when we go through tough times, we become independent and isolated. And notice The devil wants you to live isolated and insulated. But listen to me very closely, it's a trap. Listen to me very closely. Living isolated and insulated is a trap. It's a trap. Do not fall for it. It's a trap. You stink. Listen, you can be in a church that is this size and be around a ton of people and still be isolated. It could be somebody on your row right next to you and be isolated. They are by themselves even though they're right by people happens all the time, I'm telling you. You live isolated and insulated. Here's why you're isolated. Because one, you've believed all the lies of the enemy that have been told to you. Nobody else knows what you're going through. Nobody else cares about you. Nobody else, all these lies that have been told. And then on top of that, on top of that, you have lived for yourself. And when you live for yourself, you push everybody else out because it's all about you, right? So isolation is what destroys us, which is by the way, why life groups are so important. In January, we'll kick off a whole new thing of life groups. We'll kick off all new freedom groups. Get involved. Get connected to people. You can't do life alone. The enemy can't destroy you if he can't isolate you. Listen to me closely. The enemy can't destroy you if he can't isolate you. But if he can isolate you, he'll take you out. He's way more powerful than you if he can take you out on your own. 
Anybody in here been isolated before and you realize the power of, of people? Okay, which is the antidote. The antidote is community. So if the attack is isolation, let me get them off by themselves. A roaring lion is going to go, he's going to roar, he's going to separate the pack, and he's going to get the youngest and the smallest and the most isolated, and he's going to go after that. The pack of, of, of lions will go after the isolated one. They don't go after the herd, they go after the individual, the isolated one, which is why you need community. Now let me show you something. So anxiety in the middle of it is I. Watch anxious. Anxious at the end of it is us us. So when anxiety and worry and anxiousness begins to swell up in your heart, grab some us. Grab some people. Be honest with them. Share. Humble yourselves and go, this is what I'm going through. And you need some us. If you get isolated, I'm telling you, if you get isolated, he'll take you out. He'll take you out. You were never meant to do life alone. When community increases, anxiety decreases. Everybody say that with me. When community increases, anxiety decreases. Now I know you say, Pastor Josh, no, I hate people. I'm anxious all around people. Okay. I don't like being around people. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. But a lot of that is because you're around the wrong people. Come on. If you, if you're around people who make you more anxious, tell them they got to go. All right. Now, if it's your spouse, um, you say, we got to go see Pastor Josh. Okay, we'll, we'll settle that. Uh, we'll, we'll get that worked out. Okay, but anybody else? <laughs> if they make you anxious, they got to go. And I, listen, the holidays are coming up. So you love them from a distance. In-laws might be the outlaws. You can love them, but if they make you anxious, say, you got to go. Okay. All right, we're going to keep peace in this house. Peace in this house. If you don't got peace on your forehead, you ain't getting in this house, okay? Peace in the house only. All right, so you got to, you got, we're not going to isolate. We're going to get community, okay? We're going to get around some people, get around some people. Now, I want, I want you to see that. I think this is so cool. So when you find yourself in a season of attack, you find yourself with insecurity, you find yourself with, with uh, independence, you find yourself with, with isolation, all those things, and the enemy's roaring. He's roaring loud. How many of the enemy's roaring loud right now at you? Man, he's just roaring. He's roaring loud. Okay, here's, here's the natural reaction. Run! <laughs> right? Enemy roaring. Listen. I don't even talk about a roaring lion. Barking dog, I'm running. Okay, I'm, I'm running. Okay, I, I don't do barking dogs. I don't do any of that stuff. So roaring lion, I'm thinking my immediate reaction is to get the heck out of here. Okay? But First Peter tells us something different. This is his, uh, his uh, solution. Ready? Resist him. Say what? That's a roaring lion. No, 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 no. Listen, he's not as powerful as you think you are because he's on a leash. He's on a leash, and you just got to resist him. And listen, and you're going to resist him firm in your faith, and you're going to know that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, which, by the way, listen, you're not alone. Other people all throughout the world are going through it. Listen, I want you to hear me very close right now. Whatever you're dealing with right now, you're not alone. You're not alone. I promise you in this church, there are many other people walking through probably the exact same scenario you are, and if they're not walking through it right now, they've been through it. So, watch the next verse. Resist and firm in the faith. And after you have suffered a little while, so you're going to suffer. I wish, I wish I could preach this and go, this will be gone. He said, no, you're going to suffer for a little while. But why are we suffering? 
Because this is what's happened in the midst of the suffering. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, I love this, God himself will step in and he's going to restore you and he's going to confirm you and he's going to strengthen you and he's going to establish you. Come on, somebody. So this is how we do it. Okay, so here's the question. So how do we practically resist the devil? Of course, we got the word of God. You got your testimony. Revelations chapter 12. We didn't love our lives to the death. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, and, I, and I'm going to go back to what I preached two weeks ago, that I think is the greatest weapon that you have. The greatest way you resist the, the, the enemy is with worship. When you begin to sing the truth of God's word over your heart, when worship goes up, worry comes down. Because worry is honestly the worship of worry. Worry is the worship of whatever, money, security. It's the worship of whatever, whatever you got your heart set on that you're so, like, you can't go to bed, you wake up in the morning, you think about it. That's, by the way, what you worship. Y'all know that, right? Whatever you're thinking about throughout the day and has consumed your heart and mind, you worship that. It's not that it's an evil thing. It could be a good thing. You might could worship your spouse, your kids. You spend more time with your kids. It's not wrong to spend time with your kids and your spouse or to work out or to eat right or to uh, work hard or to make money. All that is great. But they make terrible gods. So you can use them. You can love them. You just can't worship them. Because when you put them at the God level of worship, get ready for an overflow of worry in your life. When you worship safety and security, God's going to find a way for you to learn that you can't put your trust there. So what you do is you lift up your voice. Watch what this says in Psalms 149. We're done. Let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp word, a sharp sword in their hands. If you are overwhelmed with worry, overwhelm worry with worship. Overwhelm worry. And listen, I'm not just talking about just singing songs. I'm talking about declaring these truths. I believe worship is a spiritual warfare. You are spirit, just like the JFAT story we said, you're just sending God forth. You're going, God, I can't do this, so I'm trusting you. God, you got this. God, I believe in you. God, come on. And when worship goes up, worry comes down. Worry comes down. Satan cannot endure the spiritual songs of God's people. And every time you worship, you put the devil on the run. I'm going to tell you right now, you put him on the run. You want to resist him? Crank it up and just start worshiping. And listen, by the way, you don't even need music to do that. You don't need music to do that. You don't need music to do that. Just begin to lift God up. We're going to make God bigger than our problems. We're going to make God bigger. We're going to magnify him, magnify God. We're going to make him bigger than our problems. Isn't that what happens when you come into this church? And your, your week could have been crap. It could have been a terrible week. And you come into this place, and they start worshiping. And maybe you're not used to all that. You're like, why are people raising their hands? What's going on? Everybody got questions. What's happening? But then something like two, three, four songs in, you're like, what am I feeling here? What's going on here? What is this? I don't know. I kind of like it, but I'm not quite sure what it is. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. It's what hopefully when you'll leave here and you go, man, I needed that. Y'all know what I'm, y'all here with me? 